ladies and gentlemen, What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry, and we're going to talk Arizona recruiting because the early signing period has been very, very good to the Wildcats. We're going to get some help from Matt Moreno of GlazyCats.com on that a little bit later. But first, Brett, let's talk some basketball. Uh, still, we've got two undefeated teams in Tucson, men and women. We're going to lead with the men here because, yes, they played a game recently, more recently than one we really want to talk about, but Arizona went to Illinois last weekend, and we knew it was a... You know, maybe not the best team they're going to play, but Illinois was tough, a tough environment, made even more difficult by the fact that their plane had to be diverted and they had to Uber or Lyft. They had to ride share into town and everything. Arizona came out. It wasn't always pretty. They got down, but they came back. They rallied. They won that game and I think sent a message to everyone that, yeah, they're legit. Yeah, I think that game, uh, you know, we've talked about on this pod that I was curious to see what would happen if they went in a hostile environment, got, you know, got punched in the mouth and how they'd react. And in that first half, Illinois punched him in the mouth, landed a couple punches. Uh, they went up, I figured it was an 18, 19, run in like three minutes. Yeah, um, it was, it was ugly. And it got, and some of the, some of the players on the team got a little frazzled. They, you know, they kind of spiraled a little bit for a minute, but they pulled themselves out of it, which was, you know, one of the things that I think was a little bit of an unknown in a hostile environment, how a young team that has all this swagger will react to that. Um, you know, Kirk Carissa was one of those guys that I say is the, the dog that's been missing. He didn't have a great first half, but you know, that dog mentality is what pulls you out of, uh, the, you know, those spirals, mm-hmm. uh, and that rubs off and it seemed to happen in the second half. And then Ben Matherin is, he was increasingly looking like, you know, increasingly looking like a all American player against some pretty legitimate competition in Illinois. Like that's a team that's going to be, be there at the end. And also, the Kofi versus Coloco matchup was everything I think we were hoping to see because uh, Kofi is just big. He's and, a load. <laughs> he's he's a, he's a monster, but you know Coloco might have a little bit more length and raw athleticism. And I think they each won. You know, they each won individual battles during the course of the game. It was a really fun thing to watch. But at the end of the day, Arizona emerged victorious in a in a really tough. Uh, you know, road matchup. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, a lot to like Ben Matherin was playing. Well, he got to a slow start this season, but has been really, really good since the Northern Colorado. He wasn't as good. But what I like about him and what I like about Creasy, even that Illinois game and even Coloco and other games, when they're not scoring, it's not affecting everything else. Like these are – they're showing a maturity that maybe they wouldn't have shown last season or maybe they wouldn't have played with. And it's just a growth. They're sophomores now. And, yes, like we mentioned before, they – we haven't seen a lot of high-level sophomores on Arizona in recent years. This is what happens. Like, they do grow up. They do get tougher. They are able to play through some of those moments because, yeah, they got down in that Illinois game, and it was looking bad, but they just they clawed back. They stayed with it. They played tough defense. They made shots in the second half. Cogburn, like, he only he shot 5 of 15, had 5 turnovers. Yeah, he had 13 rounds. He was a load, but he didn't exactly have a big game against Arizona's size, which you have Coloco, you have Umar Balo, who has been very effective, too. It's just another game. Like, we knew that whether, even if they lost that game, Arizona's legit. 
Just if they won that game, it would send a message, and yes, they're ranked higher now because they won that game. But everything they showed in that game is everything they've shown this season. Like, yeah, they didn't score 100 points in that one, and yes, they were down bigger in that game than they had been in any other game this season, but they're good. (laughs) They are a very talented team that is tough to keep down, and they can play defense. Like, they're not the best defensive team we see in Arizona, but they're capable of playing very good defense or stretches, and necessarily good enough defense with their offense. That is very, very difficult to stop, and they haven't been a great three-point shooting team, but they've been good enough. They just have so many options where even a team like Illinois, they couldn't hold Arizona down for that long. And when it came time to make plays down the stretch and to make free throws, Arizona did exactly that and won that game. Like it was a statement win for the country, not so much for us. For us, it was more like a validation of, yeah, we we knew how good they were and they showed it once again. And yeah, the schedule is going to get tougher. Like Northern Colorado is actually more competitive than we thought it should have been. And Arizona winning by 25. And they get Cal Baptist, but they're at Tennessee. That's a tough one. Then at USA, at USC. Assuming all these games happen, of course, COVID is just wrecking every sports league right now. I know UCLA is in the protocols. If that game happens, I'll be there. That'll be neat. But, you know, just Arizona basketball is, they're going to lose eventually. Men and women are going to lose a game eventually. That's just the law of averages. It should happen. But they keep pushing it off, and they've played some tough opponents, and they're just getting better and showing that they have multiple ways to win. And that's the most important thing, I think, especially for the men's team. They don't have to score 100. You know, they, can score, they can win with defense if they have to. They can win with offense. They can win with rebounding. They don't turn the ball over. They pass the ball. Well, they do everything right and everything well enough to win games. Yeah, I th- you know, they've, both teams have passed the tests that have been laid in front of them so far. Uh, I think, you know, both the men's and women's teams have their schedule as you move into Pac-12 play. I think there's still a couple of non-conference games for Arizona. They're going to be uh, big challenges. I think Tennessee is coming up uh, in, in next week. That's going to be just as tough, if not tougher, than Illinois. And the women got uh, Texas coming up now Yeah, in a couple of games, so, a couple of days. So, you know, it's um, it's hard. It's hard to it's hard to nitpick and find anything that's a problem with either of those teams so far which is a really fun place to be because it's been a dark time for arizona sports for the last couple (laughs) years Uh, this is a good week it's 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 been a good week great week adam (laughs) (laughs) i would contend that last saturday between the commitments arizona football was getting that we'll talk about a little later and arizona beating illinois might have been the best you know game that or day that arizona's had in a while and also uh, Arizona owns December fifteenth. Yes, for those of you that clearly. think back to you know what was it nine years ago with the 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 the, the double the oh, double yeah. win. Um, you know, I th- I think everything that you've wanted to see from either team, the men's or women's, you've seen it, and it's only going to get a little bit more challenging as as both teams head into the conference play. You know, the men have USC and UCLA. Uh, I think right off the bat, uh, once they get into full fledged conference mm-hmm. play on the road. And then um, at ASU, too, which is, you know, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> They're playing um, slightly better lately than the 29-point game that they put up against Washington State at home. Well, that's a low bar to, uh, to trip over. True, true. Um, you know, I, at some point, there's going to be some adversity. I think you saw that a little bit in the Illinois game for the men, and they overcame it. You know, will that be sustainable as they keep going? Maybe, you know, you say that it won't eventually they'll happen. lose Sometimes you're going to lose. Like, adversity happens. Oh, yeah. You can fight through it and still lose the game. Sure. Um, I mean, I think uh, Adia Barnes and Tommy Lloyd would both like to, uh, you know, delay that, that 
that learned lesson of a loss as long as possible. Yeah. Do you hear about the bet they have? Like a Dia called time away, like first one to lose buys dinner. Like, yeah, it's just which is awesome. Yes. Hopefully, hopefully uh, that doesn't get paid out until I don't know, like twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four, because that'd be a win for they can uh, go hungry. Everyone. Yeah, they can. So what you're they, saying? Starve the coaches. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think. Everything you wanted to see in the Illinois game in terms of overcoming the adversity you saw, um, you know, how that's going to translate against Tennessee, how it's going to translate against UCLA, USC. I'm not convinced um, USC and UCLA are that much better than the men's team. Uh, just like I'm not convinced Stanford uh, and, and uh, you know, some of the other Pac-12 teams for the women's team are are much, if if at all, better than the women's teams. Fair. But both teams have, you know, they had question marks going into the season. They're kind of running these parallel tracks where everybody's like, well, I'm not sure, but they've passed every test so far. And now it's now the rubber's really going to meet the road as you get into Pac-12 play. Yeah, and that's what it's all about, of course. You'd rather be undefeated right now than not, but at the same time, tougher games lie ahead. And these teams, we both we know, are both good enough to win those games. Like, whether they win all of them, that would be great. Whether they win most of them, also fine. But they're very good basketball teams, which means like, we've, we've been there before with these programs. But the better you are, the more important each game is because you start to see what's possible. And that hasn't been the case the last handful of years where we, every game can hang on. That UCLA game in a couple of weeks could be a monster game between two top ten teams. Like, that's a big game. And, yeah, it's not the season-ending game because the loser of that game is not eliminated from March Madness with that loss. But when you're this good – the game starts to matter just a little bit more, and it's stressful, but it's also a lot of fun. So looking forward to that. But you know what, Brent? What's also fun for Arizona football is the offseason. That's <laughs> the most fun part about the program, the last couple of them. But Arizona, the national signing day, the early signing day, happened on Wednesday the 15th, and the Wildcats had a really, 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 really good day. And to help break it down, we're going to talk to Matt Moraine of GlazyCats.com, and we're going to do that after the break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. Now, help us sum up a very big early signing day for the Arizona Wildcats. is Matt Moreno of GoEasyCats.com, who's been out in California for the Servite signing ceremony. Saw a couple of future Wildcats sign their letters of intent. Talk to maybe another possible future Wildcat. We'll see. But, Matt, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me back, guys. I really enjoyed my time throughout the season. We finally get the payoff here at the end. Right. We talked about everything throughout the entire year, and now... You know, everything's actually happening for real. Well, and that we could start there, too, because this recruiting class was looking promising throughout the entire season. But there was that worry, like, they won a game, you know. And some of these players, other schools, wanted Sterling Lane, for instance, Keon Burnett. All these guys are like, yeah, they have interest from other teams. And it's like, can Arizona hold this class together? And Brett and I were talking yesterday. By and large, Arizona did hold this class together. Not only that, they added to it over the final couple of days. Just how did that happen? Yeah, I mean, it was just so different for me as someone who's covered this team for a decade now and seen now 10 recruiting classes come together. It's just very different from what I'm used to. Um, usually Arizona is on the defensive and is trying to hold off you know, other programs from pulling 
their commits away. And they were, it was the opposite. I mean, they were trying to pull away, you know, commits from other schools and continue to do that. And, um, you know, that's just a big change from what I'm used to, from what Arizona fans are used to. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was one of those things where, and I continue to say this, I've said this for a long time now, you, when you view a season and you look at a team, it's very different from a fan's perspective and a recruit's perspective. It's hard for fans to not be a fan when they look at these teams and they go, oh, one win. I know what I would do if I was a recruit. But the reality is you're not a recruit and they think of things differently. And so um, for them, relationships matter for them. You know, the vision and the future matters and, um, you know, how they're going to be fitting into, you know, a certain system for them. A lot of in a lot of cases, it's playing time that matters. And for Arizona, there's not there's been no change in the amount of playing time they can offer these recruits coming in with one win this season. I mean, they're they're able to, you know, offer these recruits an opportunity to play right away. If you're talking about some of the higher end recruits, some of the four star guys, they're not going to have that everywhere that, you know, the other schools that were on their list, they know they're going to have to wait and it's going to take some time for them to get on the field where they see an opportunity and go, hey, that was a one win team at Arizona. I can get on the field next season. And so I think that matters to a lot of the recruits in the class. That's kind of been the message for a long time at Arizona. But I think when you couple that with, um, you know, the personalities on this coaching staff and the relationships they've been able to build and, you know, the guy at the top, Jed Fish. I mean, he's really done a lot to make this feel to take something that he said personal to the players and to these recruits. And I think that's you know, made a big impact for this team. I was going to ask you, you kind of touched on it. You've talked to a lot of these players throughout this process. And, yeah, like they, a lot of them committed to Arizona months ago, but there's always that, you know, other schools try to poach. Arizona was also trying to poach. They successfully did it, flipped some guys too. So that happens, but there wasn't one common thread throughout all these guys, why they committed to Arizona. But are, if you had, I forget what they would call like the charts where it's like the heat charts or something like that. Is there any, what stood out the most when you've talked to these players that convinced them that Arizona was the place for them? Was it as simple as just playing time? Was it that it's personal? Like, is there anything that really stood out? You're like, okay, a common thread maybe through most of this class, like that's why they chose Arizona. It was interesting. I mean, and, and, you know, this word I'm sure got thrown a lot yesterday or this week, um, you know, about uh, the recruiting cycle and signing day, which is, you know, family that gets thrown around a lot. I'm sure every coach had that word in his, you know, press conference talking about his signing class at some point. But um, for recruits, Jed Fish has really made that a reality. I mean, he's having recruits over to his own personal house and, you know, having pool parties during the summer and, you know, inviting the recruits out to dinner and, you know, having them meet his wife and his kids and, you know, have all the family members around. And I remember someone who ended up, you know, not signing with Arizona, Sean Miller, ended up going to Illinois. Um, but they had a birthday cake for his sister when he visited during the summer and they had her kind of a little party, you know, when <laughs> his family came on an official visit. And so all those things stand out. And to me, when talking with some of these recruits who, you know, decided really late in the process when they went on their visits the last couple of weeks, they said, I got to meet his family. And, and that's just something that doesn't happen yet. It's so usually guarded off by other coaches where it's just, you know, this is an official type of deal. This is more of a business type of relationship. You don't really need to know my family. It's just, this is, you're going to be my player. I'm going to be your coach. And that's kind of where it ends. But a lot of the players talked about, you know, just, just the personal nature of everything and feeling like, Oh, this is really is a family. It's not just, you know, a coach and a player. This is something that, you know, we're going to be in this thing together. And I think that really mattered to a lot of a lot of these recruits. So, Matt, it seems like a lot of, you know, pretty talented guys are buying into what Jed Fish is selling in the it's personal thing. And, I, you know, I don't want to ask you if if this is where this ranks in terms of, you know, among the best Arizona recruiting classes, because 
no matter what the rankings are, there's still going to be misses and hits on, on that, and you never know for a couple years. My question for you is, is this the most important Arizona recruiting class in the time you've been covering the team? 100%. And to me, and, and what Wednesday felt like to me was the start of something. And I don't know what that's going to become. Obviously, that's imagining that Jed Fish is going to be around for a long time. Uh, as we've seen this offseason play out, we know that coaches, you know, will leave. <laughs> it's just it's just kind of part of the nature of the game right now. And so you can never say with any certainty that, you know, Jed Fish is going to be around for 10 years. But if he is, if that's in the plans, this feels like the start of something. I mean, this was a big change for Arizona on signing day to, you know, be acquiring talent and adding pieces that are four star players or guys that you know were once committed to USC, not, you know, months ago and years ago, but weeks ago. And so I think that's a big deal. And, and obviously they are having some issues over there and, and um, you know, had to go through a coaching change. So maybe that leads Arizona to take some of those players. But, um, you know, it, it's Arizona needed to take advantage of some opportunities with some guys. And it made it, made it you know, they, they were able to close. And that's a big deal. I mean, there have been other coaching staffs that have had things kind of teed up for them. And all you have to do is close them out and, you know, seal those commitments. And they weren't able to do it. Uh, Jed Fish was. And I think that's a great sign of things to come. I think. Going back to kind of our original, you know, at the start of this conversation, one win. I mean, to imagine them doing this with one win, a 20-game losing streak, it's a big deal. I mean, it just to me, it says, well, what can they do when they actually start winning some football games? And I think if you're an Arizona fan right now, you look at this class and you go, all you need is, you know, one really strong class. And then that starts to build the momentum. We've seen that, you know, with other programs and you've seen it, you know, all around the country. And so if this is that one class and it feels like it is, that's going to be, it feels like it's the start of something for Arizona. So you say it's the it's the start of something for Arizona. Um, I guess my my question to you then the follow up to that, Matt, is you know we know about a couple of the high rated guys, but how would you describe this class? And maybe go into some of the obvious guys or the big guys, but who are maybe even some of the 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 underappreciated guys that might be better than their ratings even say? Yeah, well, it's interesting. I mean, Jacob Manu is someone who's from Servite who I discovered, and and he kind of. Um, you know, came along a little bit late in the process, but I would say he was underrated, but rivals just bumped him up to a high three-star recruit after a senior season. So um, he was definitely under-recruited, that's for sure. For Arizona being, you know, one of his lone Power 5 offers and really the only major, major school to get involved, um, he was definitely under-recruited. Uh, so I can say that. But to me, that's that's kind of a star in the making. Yes, he doesn't have ideal size, and um, there's going to be players who are going to have more production than him, but he brings a, a different style to the defense. And I think to me overall... What you saw with this class was a change in, in mentality um, that Jed Fish and the staff is really striving for, whether it is on offense or defense. I think there's, I, I guess swagger would be the word that they want to have. is just a different kind of demeanor about the team. They want to feel, even if they're not racking up wins, which I think they believe will come, they still want them to feel and, and give off a certain kind of vibe about the team. And to me, there was a lot of players who are kind of no-nonsense um, in a lot of ways. Not guys that are going to be big talkers, um, but guys that are going to come to play and play really hard and, and be tough. And I think, to me, there's kind of an underlying toughness about the group that I think is going to stand out to fans and will start to show up once they see the players. And there's kind of, a, in a lot of ways, an underdog mentality as well with a lot of these guys. And I think that's going to be something that Jed Fish wanted to strive for as well because, you know, he's kind of been beating the drum about, hey, this is... You know, we want to make people, you know, really play hard against us and we want the, to be the toughest game. And I think there's a lot of players who feel like they should have had better opportunities, who are really good and just didn't have those opportunities. And so um, 
I think that's kind of the underlying theme is, is there's kind of an underdog kind of wait and see, we'll show you type of mentality that I think even the highly rated guys um, bring to the table and, and kind of have that about them. And I think that's going to be something that stands out, you know, as this group continues to grow and, and begins to kind of uh, open up its career. But um, there are a lot of different players. I mean, to me, I'm just kind of looking down the list right now. And um, A.J. Jones is a receiver out of California, um, kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Everyone wanted to talk about throughout the year, T-Mac McMillan, and that's your top target, and that's your guy, and that's going to be, you know, the one that everybody wants. And and A.J. Jones kind of got lost in the shuffle in terms of being a highly rated, highly thought of receiver, um, has a very similar size, uh, really looked just as good when I watched him in the summer um, at a camp. You know, T-Mac was there, all the top players are there, and A.J. Jones really shining and kind of opened some eyes, and everyone said, oh, that guy's going to Arizona? Um, because at that time, you just really didn't know what was coming for Arizona at that point. It was the summer, and um, he made a lot of really big plays. And this season, uh, he had to play a lot of quarterbacks. So there is kind of that thought of, hey, maybe if Arizona ever you know, <laughs> wants to continue with the Jamari Joyner-esque type of plays, that he could be their guy. But um, he's a really versatile player. He could end up, you know, a lot of people think he's going to end up being a tight end one day. Um, kind of has the frame to do it. But um, even if he just comes in as a wide receiver, I think he's very, very talented, has really good hands. Um, is going to be an upgrade at that position. Arizona really wants to add some size. Um, and so I think that's going to be something to, to look at as well. I'm um, going to add to this group. And then uh, Deuce Davis from up at Hamilton, um, on our message boards, actually, someone brought it up. They had a chance to watch him a lot uh, throughout the season and um, mentioned that he he was a problem. And if you watched him, I watched him in that Bishop Gorman game, uh, which Hamilton ended up winning right at the end. I mean, that's a top team in the country. I mean, that's a lot of talent on Bishop Gorman. And he held his own and really made some noise. And so... Uh, he doesn't necessarily look the part. He's a little bit thin but um, as a pass rusher. But he's someone that I think has a lot of talent, has really good size outside of that. He has a lot of length. Um, he's just going to need to put on some weight. But um, is kind of an underrated player that I think is going to make some noise um, throughout this throughout his career and um, give Arizona some, some much-needed kind of pressure off the edge and give them someone to utilize off the edge. And then, um, to me, Kevin Green Jr., I think Arizona fans aren't really sure what he's about. Uh, he was committed to USC just a couple weeks ago, backed off that decision once Lincoln Riley was hired. There was kind of some thought that, hey, maybe everyone just decided, hey, this is not the best place for either one of us. Let's kind of go our separate ways. Um, and so if that is the case and, you know, USC said, hey, we like you, but we don't like you that much. And Arizona says, we'll take you. Um, you know, that's fine because I think he's a very, very good player. I mean, that that to me, if that is how USC approached this, it's a miss by USC because he's very good. And someone that I think is going to be talented for Arizona, uh, had really good stats this season, has a ton of speed. Um, again, another guy who just isn't going to look the part, and then he's going to get out on the field and go, oh, wow, I didn't realize he was that good. Um, plays at a very highly rated, uh, highly talented high school, Alamany High School out in Los Angeles. Um, Ephesians Prysock is his teammate who committed a four-star cornerback uh, for Arizona who they visited together. And I don't, I don't want to say they were a package deal, but... Um, you know, they, I think they had intentions of, Hey, let's play together. And if this is the place we're going to do it, let's make it happen. And they ended up, you know, both committing, uh, Ephesians ended up signing on signing day and, and making his decision known on signing day. Kevin green couldn't wait. said, I'm just going to announce my decision <laughs> on the weekend and get it out of the way. But, um, I, I think he's someone that you just, if you're an Arizona fan, you go, I don't, I don't really know a whole lot about him. He wasn't on Arizona's radar until a few weeks ago in terms of being a priority recruit. Um, but I think he's going to do a lot of good things. I mean, he's again, he's really he's a little bit slim. Um, a little bit small, 
going to be a slot guy, but you know, when you look at the production and the talent, it's all there. And I think he's going to be an impressive piece for this team um, moving forward. And, and, you know, those are just a few of the guys that I think are going to be really impactful in this class. But really, I, I, if you look up and down the board, there's not a whole lot of players not to like. I mean, there are a couple of projects, maybe the offensive line, um, going to need some work, going to need some time to really develop and, and get to the point where they're playing, which I know is not music to Arizona fans' ears. I think they'd much rather have, you know, three guys who are ready to play this season. But, you know, it's just it wasn't in the cards, and I think that's where the transfer portal is going to come into play for Arizona, and they're going to have to add, um, you know, some talent through the through the portal along the offensive line. But, you know, outside of that, I think they added some really key pieces. Uh, Javion Celestine um, is out of Florida. A really interesting, different story. Moved around to a bunch of different schools in Miami. Um, no one really had heard about him. He ended up committing to Western Carolina about a couple weeks ago, and then Arizona said, hey, why don't you come out and take a visit? We'll see what happens. We'll get a look at you in person. Um, made the trek out, took an official visit, got an offer on the visit, committed on the visit, but kind of kept it a secret until Wednesday. But um, a really, really interesting prospect. Kind of plays all over the all over the place, all over the field. I liken him to someone like Anthony Simpson, uh, who came in last year, and you go, you looked at his film, and you go, is he playing against, is he playing against like junior high kids, or what's the, <laughs> is he playing against middle schoolers? Because this doesn't look right. Um, he's dominant and. Uh, Javion was really dominant. If you look at his film, it's like, how is this guy? How does nobody know about this guy? And so, um, like I said, he got moved around to a few different schools. I think kind of just got lost in the shuffle. But he's playing in Florida, and if you watch his film, it's really Im- impressive. And if you think about, well, he's playing in Miami, he's playing in South Florida. There's a lot of talent in South Florida, even if you're in a lower level, which he isn't. Um, you know, there's a lot of talent there. And so uh, the film, to me, doesn't lie. I think it was a very sneaky and and. A uh, wise move for Arizona to to make its move. Um, I think people go, oh, Western Carolina, that's where you flipped him from. But if you watch the film, I think it tells a different story. You're just one of those guys that got lost in the shuffle. But he's someone else. He's going to come in as a defensive back. Could really play on either side of the ball. Could really play on both sides of the ball if he really wanted to in college. I mean, he's a really, really good receiver. And so, um, but right now the the bigger need is defense, and so he'll play in the secondary. And I think he's going to have a chance to to you know contribute pretty early on in his career. You know, Matt Moreno here at GlazyCats.com. One thing that you said that kind of stuck out at me as my dog is barking in the background, of course, the beauty of doing podcasting from home, but is that Arizona seemed to come into this recruiting cycle with a plan. It was Jed Fish and that staff's first full recruiting cycle as, you know, the Arizona coaches, and they weren't afraid to go after some of the big fish, the Keon Burnett's, the Sterling Lanes. Even when the guys came available late, like the Prize Sox or the Greens, like that were former USC commits that only became available the last couple of weeks, they were ready to go with a plan to try to bring them to Tucson. And one thing I heard a lot from the coaches yesterday and like their press conferences and their little videos they were doing on Twitter was the loyalty these players showed them. And I think that attitude that they have is like, yeah, they were Wildcats. They're happy to be Wildcats. Because a lot of these guys, you say, you bring up uh, G7, you know, Celestine, like some of these guys, you were used to the OKGs, who you look at their offer list, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, well, hopefully they outperform their ranking. You know, hopefully they're criminally under-recruited and underrated. And there are some other guys in this class, but that's not the entire class. You know, they have some of those guys that they're hoping to hit on. They have some of the projects. And they have some guys that are highly rated, pretty much ready-to-go college football players. It's clear that the coaches have had a plan in place and executed it, to me. Is that something that you could look at and say, yeah, they knew what they wanted, they went out and got it? Yeah, I think it was it was almost kind of building this from the inside out. And you go, we need to, if you're Arizona, you go, we need to solidify some commitments from some key guys early and then just kind of fill in, you know, outside of that. And so um, that has been the thought process for a lot of the coaches here. Um, you know, 
Rich Rodriguez kind of had that same mindset. Kevin Sumlin had a similar mindset where you you're, you don't really need. Yes, it would be amazing to have a class full of four star guys, but if you can get a handful, um, and then kind of fill in with the rest of, of you know just guys that you really like and maybe were under recruited. Um, but it's been really hard to pull off. It ha- it's been really hard yeah. to execute that plan. And so stars um, matter. A, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and as do. much as coaches don't like to talk about it, they definitely talk about it on signing day. Go, oh, did you know we were ranked? You know, whatever. And there's the not that 12. many Scooby rights out there. Like they're the exception. Yeah. Like, you need you need good players. Yeah. And so I think this was the first time where it felt like okay, they kind of dedicated themselves to not being afraid to go up against top schools. I mean, uh, I mentioned AJ Jones, and and he was another one who was committed to UCLA at one point, and took a visit to Arizona and said, I'm not going there. I mean, if you look at the class, they have three guys who were committed to USC at one point. Yes, there was a coaching staff change, but they were committed to USC, and USC very much wanted those players. Uh, you know, Kevin Green, Fusions Price Sock, uh, Keen Burnett. Those guys were all committed to USC. And to, for Arizona to go, you know, we're just going to go toe-to-toe with them. We'll see what happens. And, you know, it's not going to be for lack of trying. I, I think that says something because I think, Previous coaching staffs, uh, whether it's the head coaches or assistants, I think there was kind of a fear of uh, we can't we're not going to get those guys. So let's just not even bother. So let's focus on the guys that are, you know, less recruited and and maybe um, a little bit unheralded. But I I think this staff and and Johnny Nansen said it at his press conference when he was introduced as defensive coordinator. We're not going to be afraid to go, you know, and and battle some of these top schools for, for recruits. And obviously he's been right in it. He's been at USC and UCLA. He knows you know, what it takes to get those guys to those schools. So, um, yeah, to me, there was really a plan. I think I think it started a lot with Noah Fafita, and I think they identified him really early at quarterback and said not only is he someone that will fit into the system, but he's someone that has a ton of connections, and that was one of the things that really paid off in the end. Um, I think he, and I've said it, that he to me he's the most important recruit in this class. Um, is he the most talented? No. Um, is he the, you know, the most desired by other programs? No. But in terms of his connections and what he's meant to building this class, he is the most important recruit in this class for me when it comes to Arizona because of how he pulled you know, everything together and how he became a recruiter himself. And I know everyone's, uh, you know, talks about his mom and, and she tries to downplay it some a little bit. But, um, you know, that that family and just their connections, it goes beyond just those two. I mean, they're everybody in their family has connections around, around Southern California to different programs. Um, to different recruits, and I think that really, you know, paid off for Arizona. And um, I think it was a bonus for what Arizona wanted. I think they truly do like Noah Fafita and believe he can be a very, very good college quarterback. But um, you know, that that paid off, I think, in a big way for Arizona and, and allowed them to, you know, build this class up and really generate some buzz because he is so well liked as a player and as a recruit in Southern California. And you've seen, if you look at this class, it's a lot, a lot of Southern California recruits, and that's. You know, that needs to be your bread and butter, in my opinion. If you're Arizona, you want to be obviously active in state. But if you can be active in Southern California and um, at some of the schools, that was one of the things that was striking to me when I was looking at the list and going over the final list. And you go, some of these schools are top programs every year in California. Modern day, they added a commitment late, you know, from modern day. Servite is always going to have a ton of talent. Um, Oaks Christian is going to have a ton of talent. Uh, Alamany where uh, Ephesians and Kevin Green are from. That, they're always going to have a ton of talent. They do have a ton of talent in younger classes right now. So you look at these schools that Arizona was going after. They weren't trying to find diamonds in the rough. They were going, let's go to powerhouse programs and let's find some of their best players and we're going to bring them to Tucson. And so um, in a lot of ways, they had success doing that. And so I think that's, 
to their credit, and I think that's going to be the model of, of how they approach things. Yes, you'd want to have every top player from those teams, but and it's going to be a battle with USC because USC is now going to be very dominant at a lot of these schools. But um, I think if you're Arizona, if you can have success with some of these players that they're able to flip and um, get commitments from from these you know powerhouse high school programs in, in California, it's going to open some eyes and, and other players at those schools will be like, hey, maybe that's a place we need to be at as well. So, Matt, you basically just, with all of that, contextualized the obvious question we're leading to. We're talking about flipping big fish. We're talking about best players at powerhouse programs. We're talking about Noah Fafita and the legendary Mrs. Fief on Twitter. You know where I'm going. Uh, one of those guys that Arizona is targeting did not sign yet uh, anywhere, is committed to Oregon, T-Mac, the Cerebite, uh, uh wide receiver, top 10, I think, in rivals now, uh, you know, you're out in California. You were at the Cervite High School signing ceremony. Where do you feel Arizona's chances are? You know, we're recording this on December 16th. The early signing period ends tomorrow, I believe, December 17th. What, what's, what's the, where's Arizona's position with TMAC, and where, where do you, where do you see this playing out? Yeah, unfortunately, when I think most people listen to this, a decision will have been made. <laughs> but well, we could just um, record two hopefully. different versions of this, and we'll use the one. We'll update the pod. You know, like choose your adventure here. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but if I can predict this right, then I'll look really good if I can predict this right. But my belief, after talking with him, which was, a, I think, a step in the right direction, I think he wouldn't have talked to me if Arizona wasn't in the picture at all. So that was kind of you know a sign in its own. But my belief right now is that he's going to end up at Arizona. I, I think I, you know, being in the crowd, seeing him sign, or, or seeing the other sign, seeing him around them, and just getting that vantage point is an advantage over just kind of reading words on a page or, you know, seeing any clips or anything. You get a real vibe for a real feeling of what's going on and what he's really feeling like. To me, he seemed pretty down that he wasn't able to sign. Um, he jumped in on a couple pictures that were kind of Arizona-only recruits uh, in the photos. And and it just felt to me like this is leaning towards Arizona. And so... Um, I believe that just because, and he was pretty, when I had my conversation with him, he was pretty honest about it. And he just said, you know, there's a lot going on in Oregon. You know, there's a coaching change. The guy I thought was going to be there is no longer there. Um, I don't really know what the situation is going to truly look like. And on the flip side of that at Arizona, they've been with me from the beginning. Um, they've been there for the long haul, whether I'm committed or not committed, they've continued to recruit me. And I think that's meaningful to him. And I think that has meant a lot to him. But one thing I said, and I think we talked about it even early, you know, one of the episodes that I was on with you guys, where I said the door is not going to be closed because I still believed when he got an NLI in front of him, there was going to be that moment of, hey, do I really want to do this? My two friends are leaving early. They're leaving in a week. He and Burnett, no feet are leaving in a couple weeks to head out to Arizona. I'm never going to see them, you know, for the next four years. It's going to be rare that we're home together. It's it's all going to have to be over FaceTime, over the computer, all that stuff. They look really excited that they're going to be playing together. And I said he's that he has that type of personality just as much as I've been able to kind of personality, as much as I've been able to get to know him, um, where I thought there's something there. Just his relationship with Noah Fafita is really strong. It's, it's different than, hey, I want to go play with my best friend. And, you know, we're great friends. A lot of people just say that and they're, they're just teammates. They don't really hang out outside of outside of football those two are best friends i mean in the truest sense i mean they are they have a very very close bond i was able to see that watching their games and just seeing them interact on the sidelines that interact after games that's really meaningful and so i think at this point um 
I don't necessarily want to go here, but I think I'd probably be surprised that if if you know when people are listening to this and they're they're hearing me talk about it that you know Tetaroa McMillan is not committed to Arizona, which would be a really huge deal uh, for this program and could be one of the keys to speeding up this rebuilding process. I mean, that's a huge piece to add. He's a next level player, um, one of maybe the top five best players you know that I've seen in terms of being able to. Con- continually see him and go hey he has a chance to play at Arizona there's been a lot of players that just were never going to come to Arizona that I've seen that are really talented but in terms of guys that had a chance to come to Arizona I mean he's top five in terms of those types of players I mean just a next level talent he honestly probably had a better year defensively and he's not even going to play defense (laughs) in college and so um uh but he's just a, a difference maker at receiver someone that is a surefire NFL caliber player is going to make a difference is going to change your team is going to change your program at Arizona, I mean, it's a big deal, and it's going to be someone that they can really build around and is only going to attract more talent because this is like I was kind of in talking about earlier and mentioning. You just kind of need one. You, you kind of just need one recruiting class to get you going. You kind of just need one good season to get you going. In this case, you just need one five-star. Arizona's really just been needing one five-star to really break this thing open and say, okay, people are going to wonder, well, why did T-Mac decide to go there? Yes, we know about No Fafita. We know about all these things, but he just said, I'm not going to Oregon to go to Arizona. There has to be something to it other than just his best friend playing there. And so that's going to attract, you know, other players. And I think it's, there's a very small chance that he doesn't have success at Arizona, but the very good chance is that he's going to be really, really good. And that's going to open some eyes. And if he's, you know, setting records and doing the things that I think he can do and that a lot of people think he can do, it's going to attract more talent to Arizona. And it could be, again, the start of something big for, for Jetfish. Yeah, and it could kind of maybe go the other way too. Like him being there could attract more talent in that quarterback situation, right? He'd be coming to Arizona ostensibly to play with No Fafita at some point. And Fafita, right now, you'd think he has a chance to start next season as a freshman. It's rare, it's hard to do it as a freshman, but the quarterback position for Arizona is wide open. There's also a bunch of big names in the portal, some rumors of certain guys maybe being linked to Arizona too. Maybe this could be the last question here because obviously if T-Mac is in, is in tow, he's on the roster. Bajon Wright's a receiver. He's going to be back on the roster next season. All these, like there's a lot of skill position talent. The quarterback situation is unsettled. What does that look like for Arizona going into this now that they have Fafita committed, signed, and everything, and just the portal is wide open for them? Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting scenario that's setting up. Uh, Noah's actually going to get there, as I mentioned, on you know in January, early January. He'll be on campus for spring ball. That's going to help. But if I'm him, and, and kind of seeing how his season played out, when he had a chance to go up against the best team in the country, modern day, and they had a very stout defensive line, one of their players is now coming to Arizona. Um, <laughs> they made life difficult on him because the offensive line play wasn't great. And you said, oh, this is, if there is kind of a, a kink in the armor for Noah Fafita, it's something that he can't avoid. He can't help. It's his size. Um, he hasn't let him hold him back too much over the course of his high school career. Um, but in that game, you go, if they had a taller quarterback with a little bit of a you know better vantage point to see over the defense, do some different things, might have had more success. I think until that offensive line is, is shored up and, and more solid, if I'm no Fafita, I go, I'm fine kind of hanging out and waiting <laughs> until things kind of uh, – He's that's not his mentality. He very much – I talked to him as well this week, and he was like, I'm ready to go. I want to compete for the starting job. I want to win this starting job. Um, so his mentality is not I'm cool to hang out and just wait and let the offensive line improve a little bit. But in my perspective, on the outside looking in, it's – I don't think he's set up for success 
unless the offensive line gets better. And because you're going to have to, you're going to have to devise some things for him to have success. I mean, you're going to have to get him on the move. You're going to have to build some things into the offense because whether anybody likes it or not, the size is going to be an issue. It's going to be something they have to work around. Is it going to, does that mean it's going to hold him back entirely? No. I think he has a, a great skill set. He's very accurate. He's got a really good arm, can move a little bit. So I think that can help. But overall, um, you know, they're going to need to do some things. So I do think that, you know, leads itself and lends itself to Arizona looking in the portal. A key element was getting Noah Fafita signed. You can't, you know, put anything out there and, and, you know, say, you know, even drop out there that you're interested in any other quarterback. Because when I talked to Noah, he said one thing that really he was never he never wavered in his commitment. He was never even when they're at their you know lowest points when they lose the NAU. He was never saying that's not a place I'm going to. Um, he never wavered. And, and, you know, alluding to what you had talked about with the coaching staff and what they mentioned, um, he kind of felt that loyalty from them where he said, yeah, they didn't offer any other quarterbacks. I saw that he kind of mentioned, I saw that with my own eyes where, you know, I saw that they didn't recruit any other quarterbacks. Obviously these recruits all talked to each other. He knew they weren't recruiting any other quarterbacks. He knew he was their guy and that meant a lot to him. And so you can't mess that up if you're Arizona, but at the, at the end of the day, you have the reality of you need better quarterback play. And if Noah Fafita is not going to be at his highest success point, you know, behind this offensive line, you're going to need to find somebody who is. Obviously, the the roads kind of point to some Arizona guys. I think there's a lot out there, <laughs> and there's a lot out there. Um, Keaton Slovis is the one to me that if you're looking at this process, if you're looking at what you have with Noah Fafita, what you have on the roster, what Jed Fish has been attracted to at this point, he makes the most sense. Um, there has been that you know those speculations about their conversations, and it does sound like there's some interest there. Um, we'll see how quickly this thing picks up now that Nova Fafita is signed. But to me, he's a guy who's proven. He's played at a high level. Um, got put in a tough situation there with the coaching staff and Clay Helton leaving. Everyone kind of knew that Jackson Dart was the guy that was coming, and everyone was going to, you know, the fan base had started to really build their case for, hey, he needs to be the guy that's on the field. Um, a fresh start, I think, is needed for Keaton Slovis, but he's a very, very good player. Um, different than what Arizona brought in last year, in my opinion, um, in that he has kind of all the measurables. He has everything you you liked about Gunnar Cruz, except he's proven. Gunnar Cruz had all the all the you know all the measurables. He looked apart, everything, but he had very little playing time. You look at Keaton Slovis, seventy percent completion percentage, ton of touchdowns, a ton of yards. You know what you're getting with him. Um, and, and so to me, that's that's kind of the move that makes the most sense. Obviously, Jack Miller is out there as well. Um, trains with Will Plummer, kind of a similar situation to Gunnar Cruz, kind of some familiarity there. Arizona has a connection there. Is that maybe your guy? To me, I don't know that you do that if you, especially if you do, you know, if you're getting T Mac, he's going to want Noah Fafita to throw them ball, throw him the ball at some point in his college career. Jack Miller is just a freshman. Um, if he comes in and wins the job, it's hard to imagine him losing that job anytime soon. And so that's a little bit tricky, but Keaton Slovis only has a couple years left. If he has a really good season next year, wherever he's at, I imagine he'll be going on to the NFL. He was obviously someone that was projected to be an NFL type of player this last season. Um, so I think that's an easier sell and it probably gets you closer to what you want if you're Arizona in terms of finding a proven player. So that's probably the name I would focus in on at this point, but as we know, th things continue to change every day. New players enter the portal. There could be a new guy that comes on, you know, by the time this podcast airs, as you go, oh, that's the guy. So, but Keaton Slovis makes a lot of sense to me. We'll see how much Arizona intensifies its pursuit of him.
Yeah, we'll see. Well, that's Matt Moreno, senior editor at GoAZCats.com, Rivals Network there. You can check out all his content there, too. He's out at in California for at least one more day. I think we're recording on Thursday the 16th. He'll be out there at least one more day, hopefully, for Wildcats fans, filing a couple more stories that are very exciting for Arizona. But, Matt, we appreciate the time and the insight. And we'll catch up with you again sometime down the road. Yeah, absolutely. Always happy to be here with you guys. All right, that's Matt Moreno of GoAZCats.com. And we come back, our final thoughts on this latest recruiting class. Okay, we're back, and thanks again to Matt Moreno for all that insight because, Brett, we followed the recruiting, but it's largely from guys like Matt who have talked to these players who had really looked into the film, and even without it, though, you look at the rankings, you know, you look at the rivals' rankings here. Arizona has three four-stars signed, and they're in on a couple of more. Recruiting day, the early one, it wasn't stressful. It was just exciting for Arizona, and that's such a refreshing change. Yeah, every everything went according to plan, and that plan was like the best-case scenario. And so far, nothing has deviated from that, right? And that's that's resulted in a pretty significant infusion of talent. And, you know, everybody focuses on the, the big-name guys. And like Matt was talking about, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about T-Mac. You know, if he lands, that's a program-changing kind of guy. Well, especially but, in the context of everything else. It's not, if it was sure. just T-Mac, okay, that's great. But it's T-Mac with Burnett, with Lane, with Price Sock. Yeah. You well, know? That, like, and, that, and, that's, and that's the point I was going to make. And I tweeted out mid-signing day, I think from my personal account. You know, in the last two years, Arizona had one combined top 800 recruit nationally, which top 800 sounds like, oh, that's not, you know, if you're thinking of it like college basketball where it's really the top 100 is what matters. But you got to remember there's 65 Power 5 conferences offering 25 scholarships a year, yada, yada, yada. They have... Uh, as of now, not counting some guys that they think are coming, I think they're up to eight, and they had one in the last two years uh, wow. of top 800 guys. And according to 247, you have uh, Isaiah Ward and Jacob Manu who are you know in the 800 and 900 range. That's how you build depth drink, uh, our depth drinking game. Yeah, a little bit later um, in the program than usual. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's there's... There's another four-star type guy that would obviously be a top 800 that's rumored to be maybe already signed uh, and maybe announcing in January. And then you have T-Mac. And if you have those guys come together, you're talking a top 25 type class. And, you know, maybe it's the best rated class ever. But, you know, like we asked Matt, Matt Moreno, it's like, is it the most important class? And he had a pretty quick answer of yes, because if you're trying to change the direction of the program, this is how you do it, and this might be the moment that you can point back to and say, this is where it all changed. Well, I remember last year's class that signed, I really appreciated because they went through the coaching change, the long losing streak, and they stuck with Arizona. And I think there's some pretty good players in that class. This one is different because this is the first full class for Jed Fish and this coaching staff. And granted, Don Brown is no longer part of that. Keith Dudzinski is no longer part of that. But it's, it's the first truly Jed Fish class. And, yeah, it's not... <laughs> You could look at it and say, like, I think like, Rivals has a 40th overall in the country. I think uh, 247 has them a little bit higher than that. Third in the Pac-12 is what both of them have right now. And some of those rankings are weird because they do like by total commitments too, not just like their average rating. But you look at this class, and especially if it gets better, some of the guys that are still out there and maybe either leaning or rumored to Arizona or possibly going to Arizona, it'll get even better. But it's a good class. Like It's not just, it's not OKGs all throughout. It's not undervalued guys out there. There are some legitimate, talented players here. Now, 
Is it are these guys going to be good enough to walk in next season? All of a sudden, twenty twenty two, Arizona's making seven, eight games and going to a bowl game. Probably not. These are all freshmen. You can't expect that of them. But this is the type of class, whereas last year's class stuck with Arizona through everything, this is the class that's making it okay for high-level talent to go to Arizona, to choose Arizona. And like Matt was saying, too, like if a T-Mac decides to choose the Wildcats, that's huge. Like it's Because that's a five-star type of talent who could go anywhere in the country. And yeah, it helps that Arizona has some of his best friends and his best friend Noah Fafita, but... These are players who could have gone anywhere else, and they're choosing Arizona for a reason. And it's those good vibes we talked about all through the Jetfish era where it didn't necessarily translate on the field, but you need them right now because it's the best thing you can sell is the direction of the program, the family atmosphere, the you're going to get coached up well here, and you're going to be a part of the turnaround because it's they got these players to buy into the idea that it will turn around because of them. So it's really a, it's really a good thing thing because it's a feeling of the program yeah they won a game last season we talked i wrote about for az desert so i thought it was a successful season still saw enough to make me feel pretty good about the direction of the program but it was also like can they keep the class and they did it and they won't all pan out they won't all be stars but if a few of these guys if a handful of these guys are impact players starters for this team two years from now three years from now that's a win it is the type of class that you were saying but it could be the most important like matt said too because it's the first true class for Jetfish that's building this roster the way he wants it to be built. Well, and not only did they keep the class. Now, granted, they lost a couple of commits that we would like to have kept. Uh, you know, the cornerback that went to TCU, Kyron Chambers, I think. And I'm, I think I'm blanking on somebody else that decommitted recently. But they closed strong and maybe even, you know, upgraded at the corner spot with Prysock as a, a legitimate four-star you know, this is a guy that took an official visit, I'm pretty sure, to Ohio State. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that that when was the last time Arizona had a commit that had an official visit to Ohio State, right? That's <laughs> a different level of talent. Well, I mean, Keon Gray's, but then he decided to go with Ohio State. Well, he committed to Arizona first, then yeah, visited so Ohio there you go. State. There you go. You so know, it's, it hadn't been that long. It's the order of operations, I guess, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, like, you know, I was thinking when Matt was talking about it, and he talked about A.J. Jones, who's the guy that I think we're all probably excited to see he's got size intriguing mix of speed and talent you know the last couple of years guys like aj jones jacob manu isaiah ward a really big edge rusher type guy that just oozes with potential but is you know not necessarily a sure thing you know deuce davis these are guys that you'd we'd be saying hey we're really excited to have these guys in past classes and it would be true and if they we would were be excited, the top of the class they'd be the ex- best guys exactly yeah. and you know those you know those three four guys We'd feel pretty good about a class with that. There is, what, six guys currently committed, rated above them, and maybe another one to two that are coming. That's that's how you go from being, uh, you know, not just a team that's a bowl-eligible team, but that's how you actually compete against the top the top teams. If you, if you have that much talent, you know, they're not all going to hit, but you got to have quality and quantity, and this class seems to have both. Well, the, the more stars matter, and the only people who say stars don't matter are the people that don't get a lot of them because you're trying to justify it's, it'll be fine. And yes, there are always diamonds in the rough, and someone like Celestine might be a diamond. Tai Tai Ugalele, and I, God, I feel so bad for like I, I Tai Tai. We'll just go with that. You know, some of these players who, yeah, they're lower rated, and some of them might end up being some of the best players in this class. Like you hope so. You hope they're very good players that they they're undervalued, under recruited, and get coached up, and they're really good. And that's very possible. But I'd rather have a team filled with four and five stars. Because I feel like the chances of that team being good are better. 
So, oh, yeah. But Arizona not being afraid, as Matt was saying, not being afraid to go after these players, to try to recruit them and to do the smart things. Like by getting the early thing from Noah Fafita, that certainly opened the door for some of these other players to go to Arizona. But that's called that's being smart. It's not that they don't think Fafita can play either. He's a good player. But just they had a plan. They executed it. And the talent infusion, it won't necessarily show itself in year one. Because some of these guys will probably play. Burnett will probably see the field. I think Prysock, some of the corners, will see the field year one. Fafita might, depending on how things go. We could talk about that, too, with the quarterbacks like we were talking with Matt. But it's just a much-needed talent infusion. Practices will be better. Just the depth, there you go again. But, you know, I said it this time. But it's just better. And this team needed a talent upgrade, and they got it. And you look at it and say... Can this turnaround happen more quickly? They won a game last season. Of course, the schedule came out today, and I mean, there's nothing, no surprises. You know, they got the non-conference, which just seems brutal. But Arizona, you kind of look at them now and say, well, the defense wasn't bad last season. Yeah, they lose Don Brown, they lose some of the players, but they bring a decent amount back. Jalen Harris is coming back again for another season, and they're adding to it. Uh, the offense has a lot of skill, position, talent. Yes, they lost Booby Curry, but Mejon Wright, who is one of my favorite players on this team, will be eligible to play next year. They lost Stanley Berryhill, but they're bringing in more guys here where you say, okay, if they just have competent quarterback play, shoot, they had competent quarterback play all last season, they probably win a couple more games at least. We mentioned the portal because Fafita's there. I don't know if I want him starting as a true freshman. Like he'd have to, If he's the best quarterback they have, then yes, he should start as a true freshman. But you can't expect that. Jordan McLeod is coming off an ankle injury. Gunnar Cruz has his thumb injury, his hand injury, and who knows his status for spring ball and everything. And you have Will Plummer, who definitely improved over the course of the season, was a much better player in the last game than he was in his first game of the year. I think if you can go get a transfer quarterback, you have to do it. And mention Keaton Slovis, who I, I would like that. I'm fine with that. Is he? He's not Spencer Rattler, who have already committed. You know, He's not Miller or Pl- the other Plummer out there. But he's a guy who you could say... He could come in and would probably understand a pro-style offense, being what he was doing at USC. Yes, he had talent there, but he had to find the talent to make the right reads. He had to still make the throws, and he could do that. And he'd only be around for a year. You know, you could say, okay, you're the guy this year. Then he goes off to the NFL, and then Fafita is the guy next season. It seems like a natural plan of succession if that's the way they go. Now, granted, the rumors, like we'll see. <laughs> but I would feel a lot better with Arizona if they could go to the portal and grab a quarterback. Well, I mean, as this year proved uh, – even at the quarterback position, you cannot have enough depth where Jamari Joyner was essentially our starting quarterback by the end of the, by, by the end of the season also for that, a couple yes. of games. Um, so, you know, I think, I think you're right that in an ideal world, Noah Fafita doesn't have to be the starting quarterback, but hopefully that's because either someone currently on the roster or coming to the roster is just a little bit, you know, it's, you know, competition breeds excellence. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think Jed fish and the coaching staff, you know, they didn't recruit any other, any other quarterbacks in this class as loyalty to no Fafita. They clearly believe in him, you know, that's, I, and I think that that shows something, but, you know, I think I'm sure they're also probably telling no Fafita and his family, like, Hey, we like you, we believe in you, but you got to earn it once you get here. Right. Mm-hmm. And they got, you know, they're, <laughs> People that don't think that coaches aren't going to put their uh, their careers and livelihoods on the uh, you know they're going to put they're going to put the guys out there they think are the best chance to win them a game right yeah and that's that's the way it's got to work if it's no Fafita then it's no Fafita if it's somebody else it's somebody else but either way like they need to have at least a couple of guys that are ready to competently play quarterback hopefully you know a little bit more of a talent infusion on the O line you know there's a lot of linemen in this class that are more project type guys you usually don't count on 18 year olds to come in and start right away um you know so hopefully that's something where you can kind of go do the little 
free agency uh, shopping for for some guys that are starting caliber there to keep you know whatever quarterback is back there set them up for success. You know the skill position players Jonah. I don't even think we've mentioned Jonah Coleman. A, you know a top yeah. 500 running back coming in. Um, you know there, if the defense outperformed the offense last year, there's a lot more of an offensive infusion of talent in this year's class, and it's probably a little easier for skill position guys at the running back and. You know, Keon Burnett, I think, is going to play, whether it's at tight end or lined up as a, you know, a, in the slot kind of thing. Uh, Mejon Wright coming back. I think I think the offense for Arizona is going to look a lot different than it Dorian was the Singer Saturday. going on scholarship. He's yeah, dude can play. You know, I think I think the offense might take that, you know, second year leap and hopefully the defense can maintain or improve with a little bit of a talent infusion there and some development of guys. But. You know, it's hard to look at what's been happening in this offseason and not think that it's going to translate to to wins on the field. But if nothing else, uh, Jed Fish, you know, what one in one in ten in real life, undefeated in the offseason so far in his career. I think it was one in eleven actually. Oh well, I was trying to be optimistic, Adam. Yeah, no, that's fair. But so yeah, it's. <laughs> I was I wasn't counting the vacated loss. Okay, the soon like eventually vacated loss. That's fair. That's fair because it doesn't count as a win for Arizona. It just doesn't count as a win for the team. There I don't know go. if it counts. But it, yeah, I don't know what it counts. As. We'll see. Well, I guess we'll find out probably in the future. <laughs> and of course, when it does happen, we'll talk about it. But everything else too, Arizona basketball, men's and women's footballs, going to the portal now, the transfer portal, see what they can add, and also the rest of the recruiting class. Things may change by the by this weekend. By the time you listen to this podcast, there's a chance that Arizona will have added more talent. There's also a chance that Arizona will have blessed out on the talent that they're hoping to add, so it could go either way. But whatever happens with the Wildcats, of course, we'll talk about next week. Until then, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. Always stuff coming from there. A lot of fun with that handle. Even some friendly rivalries with some of the other podcasts out there. Of course, find us on Spotify and iTunes. If you're finding us on iTunes, make sure you subscribe to us there and give us a rating and a review. We will read that review on the air. Um, but otherwise, thanks to Matt Marino of GazyCats.com for sharing his thoughts on Arizona's recruiting class this season. We'll catch you all next week. And until then, remember to bear down. Bear down. <laughs>